Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall. I'm with my guys, Robbie and Mike, to talk some kicks. We've got some legendary stuff to talk about tonight. So uh, I hope you guys are ready. This is going to be a... I can already tell this is going to be one of my most favorite episodes that we've ever done. So mm-hmm. how are you guys doing? I'm good, man. It's official now. My hair and my beard are completely um, out of control. Um, so before I step into the real world at whatever point, I need to see a barber first thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I cut my <laughs> my ears myself today. I'm like, well, fuck it. No one's going to see me. And it looks better than, <laughs> than like it looking really bad. And I shaved in a, a porno mustache. So it's like, nice. I, got, I, got, I didn't shave for like two months. Um, even before this all happened, I don't shave a lot. I don't care. My work doesn't care. Nobody cares. So like I have this really thick mustache and I'm uh, just excited to talk about the goat and Michael Jordan. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I uh, also am, uh, I, I did the experimental haircut situation um i had ordered clippers a few months back and uh my girlfriend uh who just started a youtube channel you should go check her out if you're if you or your girl or is is into makeup definitely um camera day beauty but anyway she cut my hair and um let's just say that's a part of her repertoire that needs some help Um, (laughs) i feel like i feel like one of those you know when when we were little kids you know we didn't have money to go get haircuts so mom just you know put the bowl on her head and literally shaved around the bottom of our head so i feel like i'm like six years old right now with my haircut but um i have i have been toying with the idea of just like saying f it grab a go with a mohawk again because i had a mohawk like 10 years ago when the giants were in the world series and i am not seeing anybody and i'm wearing a hat most of the time anyway so I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see. I saw somebody who was donating money too um, for Mohawks. That's what started the the thought process. So something along the lines of like, you know, if if you shave a Mohawk at home, uh, they'll donate like a hundred dollars to like you know uh, the pandemic response or whatever the first frontline people. So, so kind of respectable. Before we yeah. pivot off of this topic, this is the only time this this story will ever make sense. So my my clippers for my hair. Are cat clippers because uh, 
might have gone a little messed up one day and went and bought some cat clippers to shave my cat like a while ago. And it took like two hours to shave a cat. It was summertime. There was alcohol. We're just like, yeah, like she can't feel, she has to be hot in that fur. Okay. So, like, so two hours of shaving the cat. The clippers were like 150 degrees burning my hand. It took, took so long. So we have those still. So I can like, trim oh, my Oh my God. The cat was not happy. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, what? I mean, I can't be the only one listening to this thinking it doesn't surprise me that Robbie has cat clippers to cut his own. Oh no, I wasn't surprised. I'm more surprised he actually used them. <laughs> it was a one-time thing. It was a one-time shave. And I was like, nah, that, that was definitely, it's like a, a, a drunk idea that never. <laughs> do you, uh, do you have any pictures of? No, I actually, well, maybe somewhere, but uh, I didn't. Yeah. Didn't, didn't have that kind of thought to do it for the gram. I, I really tried to do it for the cat. It's kind of backfired. <laughs> so uh, well, I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll add one more, you know, drinking summer bad decision story. Uh, it's kind of two in one, but um, my I, I lived with a couple of my like really good friends, and like you know we just like all went in on a massive house at one point. This is like. 15 plus years ago, but like, uh, one day we're all just kind of chilling at the house drinking and just hanging out. Like we literally had like two living rooms. And so we had like one living room that was like attached to the kitchen that we like, you know, watched the TV in. And then the other one was kind of just like, we kind of just like, it was chill. Like we had like, I think for a while we had a foosball table in there and then we had like a treadmill in there. And, um, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, like you can go take phone calls in there while everybody's chilling in the other. And so my I think my brother is living with us at that time or he had come over and he has all, like not always, but for quite a while he had like pet rats. Um, and my other roommate, my friend Mike, has uh, like he's always had schnauzers. So my brother like at some point decides like to, to like bring his rat out and he's holding on to his rat. The dog mm-hmm. is kind of like chilling right below his, his feet. And we're like, you know, all talking or whatever. And he's, and all of a sudden, like some, I don't know how, but somehow the, the, the rat ends up on the floor. And it was like this, like instant, like fear and chaos. And we're all like, Oh my God, this is it. Right. <laughs> um, so the rat's name was turbo. Uh, he was, his predecessor was splinter. But, <laughs> uh, Classic. Anyway, like that part, like actually turned out. Okay. Right. We caught, we held the dog and like got the, got the rat, put him back in his cage. He was fine. And then, you know, time progresses, alcohol is flowing a little bit more. And I obviously skateboard to get around most of the time, especially when I was, this is in Sacramento and living in Sacramento, it's flat. Like you can get around just about anywhere on a skateboard pretty easily. And so one of my buddies is like, I forget whose, whose idea it was originally, but essentially we ended up with the skateboard on the treadmill. And one of my friends who, uh, Errol, who doesn't skate, but he's, you know, relatively athletic, you know, like good shape. Uh, he gets on 
and he's like riding the skateboard on the treadmill all the way up to like the max of 12 miles an hour or whatever, 12 or 15, whatever it is. And of course that means that everybody's got to try it. Right. So (laughs) I get on and, uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It was like trying to do like, I wasn't trying to do tricks or anything, but I'm trying to like, just like pop the front wheel up or maybe like, you know, like pop the back wheel up and nose grind a little bit on the treadmill. Uh, it didn't work very well. I ate shit and like still have scars on my ankle from the treadmill, like burning me. Um, but that's not even the best part of the story. The best part is my friend Mike gets on and he is, uh, he's not like a skateboard. He, He doesn't skateboard the way I do, but he was like big into longboards at the time. And he had like, uh, you know, like use that to get around town and stuff. And, and so it's a different kind of skill set, right? Mm-hmm. So Mike gets on and of course, you know, it's like, starts out slow. It's like, Oh, I got this speed it up, speed it up. Next thing you know, he's at the max too. And all of a sudden he like loses his balance and the, the, like he hits the treadmill, the skateboard goes flying and literally just goes dunk and sticks in the wall. what was happening here i mean this is one of those you know this is pre like youtube or anything like that but i just think damn if we had a camera that would have been one of the craziest (laughs) it was so everywhere that's nuts yeah but anyway enough enough of the the drunken stories i'm sure we (laughs) could uh i feel like robbie and i could probably go back and forth for many many you know (laughs) epic stories but big um, fan (laughs) before we get into the episode i do want to read off uh one of the reviews we got a few of them on itunes to catch up on but we're only four away from 100 so if you're listening right now and you could head over to itunes and drop us a review it would be super dope for us to get to 100 reviews i just think i think it's amazing that we've got as many people listening to this as we do um but it would be really dope to see that 100 mark and um but the, the review that I wanted to read uh, is from H3LGAN123. I'm guessing that's like Hooligan123. Says, Bay Area loves such a dope and informative podcast. The guys have, have knowledge that is absolutely crucial to the sneaker game. Please keep up the good work, guys, and keep, keep on keeping on. Nick, please keep repping the Bay Area. I live in Pinole, and it's always nice to know someone from my area is high up there in the sneaker community. Go Giants. Yee! Yo, nice. definitely appreciate that. Wear my Giants hat as I do every single day, or at least ninety nine percent of the time. Um, I'm definitely missing baseball right now, but I don't want to get too emotional on everybody yet. Got we got some emotional stuff to talk about. So, um, thanks to uh, Hooligan One Two Three for the review. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review and tuning into the podcast. And uh, you know, we'll we'll just keep it coming. Hopefully, we can keep keep you guys entertained while we're all kind of spending some more quality time by ourselves and indoors. <laughs> yeah, man. So the day that we're recording, this is actually, um, I would say uh, the original Mamba day, right? Yeah. No, I think the original is 824. So I guess it depends on who you ask, right? Yeah. Because, Kobe is one of those guys who's, as as Robbie would put it, um, goat would be uh, 
the one of the only people that could have really three days, right? Because his birthday is like the 23rd of August. Yeah. So you basically have back-to-back Kobe days in summer, Mamba days in summer. And this particular April date was the day that he, you know, played his last game, put up 60, and Nike uh, kind of proclaimed it as as Mamba Day. Um, actually, I think even the year before that, right? Or was it that year? It was the it was the year itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we figured we'd go through um, and kind of just reminisce on a handful of, I guess, our our best Kobe moments. And uh, I'm going to toss it to Robbie to start us off since he's the uh, the resident Kobe. I don't know what, you, what would you call yourself, man. Um, I don't know because like I I go back and forth with the fandom inside of myself. That's a lot of selves. But like, do I like Kobe more than other people? Do I need to like distinguish a particular level of how much I like him, or do I need to compare my experiences with or about him? to other people. It's a really complexing thing. But um, for me, I don't know. He's this, he's the greatest Laker of all time. I think him and magic are like a toss up. You really can't go wrong with that answer. They're both the proverbial mayors of Los Angeles. So he's just like the, you know, the mama day shoes. I have a pair from his last game and on the inside of the tongue, I wrote LA goat. And and that's really what he is to me. Uh, like community, um, and, and we'll go into more detail as to why I think he's the goat, but I would say like the LA goat, he's like the greatest thing out of LA or to happen to LA since I can't think of a Dodger or a King or a football player who has a, or a Clipper for God's sake, who has more, uh, impact on, uh, Los Angeles than him. There was so much hate in that statement. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's that's a fair a fair analogy or fair a fair description though. I mean, I think you know, in hindsight, obviously we can see how much people appreciated Kobe, um, but I think you know, for me too, like being like I, I the first Lakers game that I saw was actually at the Forum. Um, there was no Kobe; it was it was Magic, and you know. I'm lucky to have gotten to go to, you know, both see kind of really like three generations of Lakers players, even though I'm not a Lakers fan. Um, you know, like I have like a crazy mutual respect for the the competition, especially when you have like, you know, true, um, <laughs> I would say like mortal enemies, right? Like being a Kings fan, you know, you, you, you'd rather play the Lakers because there's so much passion behind both of both the teams, you know, maybe not right now with the Kings struggling to get back to, to like quality basketball, but um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's kind of crazy to think about how, how important Kobe is and has been for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Him, I mean, him and Shaq built Staples center. Um, You know, the Mamba Academy exists still. It might not have people in it now, but that's going to be a house of basketball for a long time. Um, You know, just the the various levels. I mean, every player with accolades has had a moment with him, either personal, on a phone call. Um, Kobe was just always trying to spread, um, you know, what he knows to the next generation. I think that's what makes him, made him so great. is that like, yeah, he's the hardest dude on the court when you're his teammate, 
but um, you know, he, he wants you to be, he wants everybody to be better for their sake and his when it's championship time. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and that kind of, that segues until the first kind of Mamba moment. Um, the first three Pete with Shaq, like I said, he and O'Neal, you know, built Staples Center, you know, they would have eventually gone out of the forum anyway, but, um, you know, without cope, without that duo, um, I don't think he would have had, um, nearly the amount of fun in the post Jordan era. There was that black hole for a couple years. Like, yeah, Hakeem's great. Yeah. You know, Barkley's cool, but, um, you know, Shaq and Kobe really, um, galvanized the city and brought viewership and eyes full center into the NBA. Um, so the first three Pete, you know, he always by like Kobe haters or Laker hate naysayers, whatever, whatever boat you're in. Um, they want to say that those were Shaq's teams. Those were Shaq's championships, Shaq's the finals MVP, which he was, but, um, every year, you know, you don't get there without Kobe Bryant being on the roster, much like Michael Jordan doesn't get there without Scottie Pippen. But um, unlike Pip, whom he crossed over pretty damn bad in that Portland series in 2001, I believe, um, he put up 29 points against the Sixers well, in the playoffs in general. So the um, NBA playoffs from 2000 to 2001, 29 points. The year before in the first championship season, 21 points. And then to finish off the three-peat, averaging 26 so, I mean, that's with him also putting up six and four assists, respectively. Um, so he was passing the ball. But that's really when Kobe um, went from the dunk contest guy and the dude from Moesha to a bona fide, you know, megastar, right? Like, there's superstars, there's all-stars. But a uh, few a generation reached this, like, true, like, unparalleled fandom and – yeah, the first three, Pete. That's that's my first Mamba moment. All three of them. Kobe. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. I mean, you can't really – I mean, that's, that's kind of hard to, to come back from uh, to to combat that. I mean, that's, that's just a solid moment. I mean, three Pete's are already hard off as it is. And then to know what he did for the franchise itself, just a heck of a moment. Um, my first moment is actually kind of three combined – uh, so in 2003, whenever he, uh, Kobe was a sneaker free agency. So he was wearing a lot of Jordan PEs and he had three 50 point games. I want to say they were back to back to back. I uh, could be wrong. So it's someone out there, Robbie, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. But he had a 51 point game against Denver wearing the uh, Jordan 7 away Laker PEs. A 52 point game against my Houston Rockets, which... Very weird. I'm a Kobe fan. He always torched my team. But anyway, uh, he had the Jordan 3 uh, Laker PE, in which everyone really fiends over. That's one of the the PEs that everyone would love to see release or you know get their hands on. And then the 55-point game against Michael Jordan himself with the Wizards, where he wore the Jordan 8 PE. So, I mean, not only did he score 50 points in three like consecutive games, but he wore absolute fire on his feet while he did it and he he wore the man's shoes who he idolized that entire time so i mean you, you can't really beat that i mean if it makes you feel any better mike i can totally relate to him scorching my team <laughs> basically my entire adult life 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I, I can't like, so Kobe, that season of him wearing all those different shoes, man, there's so much good stuff and I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but I, I can't, I can't think of another, like, you know, Jordan three, um, or the seven or the eight really. But like, for me, the three being like the kind of iconic shoe for, for Michael. Right. I can't, uh, I can't imagine of a more like desirable shoe as a, as like, you know, if you're a Kobe fan and like knowing like he was such a fan of MJ, you know, and like is kind of off topic, but like, I always kind of think back to that, those early years when he was with Adidas and he mm-hmm. wore, um, he was wearing pro models, but he's wearing the Jordan Jersey, right. In the, in the locker room. Yeah. And I mean, I just think, man, it's just crazy. Like just, there's just so many good moments from, from Kobe. And that's after he forced his way out of Adidas. Um, I mean, I meant to bring up now for the championships, he wore the Kobe want the Kobe for the first two and then the Kobe two for the third three peak. But just to go from those super, dare I say aerodynamic, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call those first two Kobe's, um, I guess, well, not the first two, like, you know, there's the crazy eight, whatever, but like, whatever you want to call those shoes to be able to break that contract and wear the shoes of your childhood or, you know, obviously the guy you idolized and stole your moves from like that's, that must've just been an amazing feeling. I can't even imagine what that felt like, but like, oh, I wasn't cause I'm sure other people and listeners alike have heard, if not seen the third Kobe that did not get made or, or, or was it the fourth? I think it was the Kobe four oh. they made three. Mm, okay. I can't remember. Honestly, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm going to the top of my head. It was a prototype, but he's like, nah, I can't rock that shoe. <laughs> and um, and then we got that beautiful sneaker history, free of free agency. It's just a great time. Um, speaking to that defiance, this doesn't really have a particular um, game to it or a particular moment, but I think there's nothing more fun to bring up on Mamba Day than all the times Kobe Bryant would purposely not pass. I mean, not shoot and only pass after games where people called him like a, you know, a black hole or a shooting hog, he just wouldn't freaking shoot. He would just pass, 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 rebound, dribble. And sometimes obnoxiously to the point where he's not even trying to facilitate anything. He's just proving a point that he needs to score. But um, yeah, there was more than one occasion. I want to say like four or five where Kobe's like, all right, media. All right, Phil, you know, I shoot too much. I'm not going to shoot any of the first half and let's see how we do <laughs> that's that's the bullheadedness which you either love it or hate it yeah you can probably guess what side of the fence i'm on with that <laughs> i think i think sometimes you you gotta have that right like i was actually just talking to uh some friends about uh like elon musk and tesla right and we might have even talked about it before but you you know sometimes that like like we're, we're in this weird spot where we expect people who are focused, determined, and, you know, maybe bullheaded, maybe stubborn, 
but we're, we expect them to also like give time to be personable and nice to people and all of those things. And sometimes you don't, you don't realize that you'd rather just have them be like so focused. Cause that's what makes them great. You know, like, like imagine if Kobe like took time to be like the super nice guy, the way some other athletes are, it takes away from his ability to like be committed to basketball, be committed to his family, blah, blah, blah. So um, that's always an interesting thing. And and I think like, you know, I, I assume that that stubbornness, bullheadedness, that like kind of like, you know, um, I don't, I don't know if it, it's not like aggression, but like, just like determination and, and focus, uh, is, is something that probably just carries over between, you know, from like him looking at MJ and learning how MJ was right. So that's how you become the best in the world is by not giving a fuck about anything, but focusing on becoming the best in the world. Cause there's times to be nice. So, I mean, there's a million stories. We've all heard him now of, you know, Kobe's charitable acts and this, how personal he was when it wasn't game time. Just he, he didn't ever compromise the dedication or compromise the focus. You're his, you're his moral enemy. You could be Chris Rock cracking jokes right behind him and he's not even going to bat an eye because he's, that's who he is. He's in the game. And if you want him to be sweeter and not bite his jersey, tough shit. That's not, that's not who he is. So good point. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I liked about Kobe is that he very was very much able to compartmentalize his personality. So he'll, you know, you'll see the all-star games and stuff, even though he's still like hyper competitive in those games, you'll see he's joking with other players. Like he's definitely friendly with them, but when he gets back to regular season time, regular games, playoffs, finals, whatever it is, he will punch you in the face and walk over your, your bleeding body to get to where he needs to go. And I always respected that because he's like, it's like anyone doing a job. He's like, I'm going to do my job the best of my ability. That'll be the best that I can be, but I'm not going to compromise that for a, you know, for friendship and, and not, not in a bad way. It's like, I'll be your friend afterwards, but for these, you know, what, 40 minutes, I don't, I can't, I'm going to even like, like be pissed at my own teammates for not doing the right thing. So I can't be your friend if I'm trying to beat you. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that whole iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah, very much is. And um, so, I mean, he spent his entire career, you know, sharpening his skills. Like we all know, the air ball versus Utah in the playoffs. You know, Kobe wasn't perfect coming into the league. Came off the bench, like he paid his dues. And by 2007, this is my next Mamba moment. Um, kind of in relation to what Mike was saying about. You know, his, his insane scoring. So 2007, four 50-point games in a row. Only Wilt. Well, so Wilt and MJ had three in a row. I believe Kobe's the only guy with four 50-point games in a row. Maybe James Harden's broken that sense. But um, 65 versus the Blazers. The next game, 50 up against the Wolves. 60 against the Grizzlies. And then 50 on the Hornets. Which, if you're a real Laker fan, you know how much Kobe's played exceptionally well against the Hornets and or Bobcats. Like that was, those were always really good games when the Bobcats were like the crappiest of crap teams. They'd always be really good. 
But four games in a row, 65-50, 60-50. We're in the Kobe 2. Strong. The Kobe 2 strong with the beautiful free run tooling that really gave him the ability to throw the ball off the backboard and catch it. All the spin move pivots. All the beautiful <laughs> footwork that made him unguardable. I think the Kobe 2, for as ugly as it might be, really fit his game. Um nearly better than any other shoe it is that no one ever talked about the Kobe too. But when you watch those games and you think about the shoe aspect and you think about him and his play style, it's just like, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And seeing him torch all those teams were beautiful. Cause it wasn't like a Steph Curry torching where it's like 14 for 33 pointers. I mean, he's not that bad, like 14 for 23 pointers. <laughs> um, you know, Kobe just shook you and baked you from all three levels over and over again, inviting double teams. I mean, only him and D Wade, I think were better. Like they're the best at ever splitting double teams as guards. Michael Jordan's fantastic. Um, he passed it up though. And sometimes he'd go away to the rack, but like D Wade and Kobe were just, when you bring a double team on him, it's just, it doesn't matter. He's just going to slice through it some way. So yeah, four 50 point games or more in a row. Oh, seven. The uh, the Kobe two that they came out with in the the Prelude pack might be one of the most beautiful shoes ever. Just kind of uh, when people say that, the, I mean, I know the it doesn't have the most aesthetically pleasing design, but if you go look at that particular colorway, it's probably one of the the most well executed shoes I've seen. Agreed. So my next moment actually kind of deals with scoring as well. Um, I'm going to take it a year back. So, Robbie, you're talking about 2007. I'm going to go to the most you know well-known scoring performance, and that is in 2006 when, um, you know, basically um, Kobe put Jalen Rose into NBA history by scoring uh, 81 points on him. <laughs> um, now, he, he beat down Toronto. I actually, I think it had to be about a week or so ago where I sat and watched just the, the, the chopped up version of the game, and uh, man, he just, you said it, he did it from every level. It wasn't just oh, I'm gonna pop three pointers. He got you from under the basket, above the rim, mid range, like it, anything he wanted, he got, and he, he didn't shy away from double teams. It was just a remarkable performance. I mean, he's only been. You know, bested by a one a one hundred point performance, which I don't think we're ever going to see anytime soon. But I, I don't know, man. In the Kobe one, I'm really sad because I had this shoe not too long ago, but I had kind of a funky version. the uh, The midsole was splitting, like the glue wasn't wasn't glued well, so I had to return them. But there were just my luck; they already sold out, so I can't get another pair, and they probably won't be getting another pair anytime soon. So kind of sucks a bittersweet moment for me just because of that i am do you happy think... oh, go ahead no please go i was gonna say do you think that kobe intentionally beat people like strategically you know because like you said the beauty of him like just destroying somebody is that it was every every aspect of the game right yeah, 
personally, I think it, 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 that was like the point, right? It was like he could beat you in any way, and he was just going to show you that he could beat you in any and every way throughout the course of the game. Yeah, he wanted to break your spirit. He wanted to let you know that I'm the best thing on this court and you have no chance. He, he Like, if you can do that to someone where you can pretty much tell them that you're unstoppable, they're going to either give up and you're just going to do whatever you want or they're going to start making mistakes because they're trying too hard. So I, I think it was a mind game and he was the best at it, I think. Yeah, man, you, you have to impose your will. And Kobe understood that better than a lot of other people. I'm super happy to say I'm an owner of those Kobe won 81 point games now. So that's dope. Um, I remember that so clearly. Um, so I was watching it, um, Fox Sports West, when Fox Sports West was a thing, um, watching it upstairs. And I just kept running downstairs. I don't know why I didn't watch it with my stepdad, but I watched it upstairs in my own room. And I just kept running up and down the stairs like, did you see that? Did you see that? Like, I probably missed it. <laughs> going back and forth, it's like losing my mind. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, probably the the defining moment of his career. What everybody everybody always brings up Wilt's hundred. That's Kobe's eighty one is like that same level, just because a hundred doesn't make sense. So <laughs> eighty one is actually kind of digestible. Um, so um, this really isn't a Mamba moment. But um, just you have to stop and appreciate the shoes. Go look through all the hashtags. Um, look at Sneaker History's feed. Just Kobe Bryant is so important to basketball shoes and performance footwear as a whole that you know, I, I, I got to bring that up. This is a shoe podcast, but obviously shoes are important and the shoes were cool. But just how he changed, like how he was – Daring enough to wear the Kobe one and Kobe two by Adidas, um, having you know the cutout Achilles area on the Zoom Kobe one, the low cut of the four, you know the free motion of the two, the flying into the nine. You know you can just like go on and on, but just like Kobe and really kept things alive until really LeBron got fully going between like the Vince Carter time, you know, there's the Vince Carter era, Penny Hardaway before that. And Kobe kind of kept things moving while LeBron uh, seasoned. So random Mamba moment, but uh, I think it's an important thing to bring up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even add more points to what you say. They're like, anytime you talk about Kobe, I feel like we should just let you have the, have the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 a couple more then let's wrap it up here. Um, so the puppets, while we're talking about shoes and LeBron, you know, we were always teased with the LeBron Kobe finals matchup and mm -hmm. Dwight Howard, just his entire career found ways to mess things up one way or another. So <laughs> thanks Dwight. Dang. <laughs> Dang. I'm just kidding. I, I've never fault the guy for making the finals. It's not, not his fault. He was trying that year. Um, so this, is, this is where we need to get the edit with the, like the shots fired, uh, yeah, <laughs> cowboy pistol sounds. Uh, 2009 um, is when they had the first um, LeBron Kobe puppets commercial. Uh, you know, they brought it back every now and again. They finalized it in 2016 with his retirement and a couple different um, funny commercials where he's kind of just poking at LeBron, like, "Hey, I got two jerseys retired." Like, "Hey." 
I don't know if number eight was better or number 24 was better. Just like really kind of taking jabs. And what's really fun about LeBron and Kobe and LeBron shared his feelings about how close they were, but it really did feel like big brother, little brother, but with all the respect of peers. Um, and I think that was really important. I like Kobe never, unless he was in a game and you were pissing him off, he never tried to sun people, you know, like he respected everybody as men, unless you were like Smush Parker. There's asterisks out there, but, um, for the most part, you know, this, the admiration between LeBron and Kobe and seeing the puppets and how they're kind of, you know, messing with each other. Um, try not to get emotional too. So that's why I kind of stopped for a second, but it's like, those are just really fun. I think everybody likes the puppet commercials, right? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Um, like Kobe commercials are always solid for him being such a serious guy on the court. His commercials were always like fun or just like epic. But I think that kind of speaks to what he was doing in his, you know, his uh, post post basketball career. This is vision for those things. I mean, I mean, one of my favorite moments is the Kobe seven uh, system commercial with uh, you had all like the athletes. You had Serena, I think you had P-Rod, but the Kanye uh, commercial is my favorite. I it hands down still to this day, it holds up even better with Kanye being even crazier than he was then. Uh, yeah, that was just, I think a timeless one. That the Aston Martin one listeners, how many of you thought the Aston Martin video was real? Like, Dude, I did. I did. hundred percent thought it was real. <laughs> That's why it was just so much fun. Um, <laughs> the snake pool with jackass. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, other ways. And I mean, Kobe was going through a rebranding of his image after the Denver stuff and the Jersey switch. So, I mean, like we said, he's not going to compromise his, his, uh, his on court intensity. So you got to make him funny off court. You got to make him likable off the court. And he really was, um, I, I guess kind of the last point here to bring up kind of reason why we're all talking is that 60 point, um, what do you want to call the sixty point? Call it the sixty point game, the swan song. Um, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know. What to yeah, like that's a that's a great question. Like, what what would you call Kobe Bryant's last game? Because it was like a like quintessential Kobe moment, right? Yeah, and, I mean, per, like perfect in so many ways. Yeah. So you had that was at the right in the middle of the Lakers suckage. Um, you know, <laughs> once the Dwight Howard, Steve Nash experiment failed. So there wasn't a lot to look forward to for a couple years. And that night anybody and any anybody and everybody associated with the Lakers was at that game. It was like a real like senior night so to speak, if you want to like make a high school, um, (laughs) you know, equivalent to it, but just the box score is hilarious. So I I mean, like we all know how many shots Kobe's Kobe had to take to get to that 60 points, um, field goal percentage of, um, 44%, 50 shots to get 60, but here's where it starts getting really fun. So the other starters, D'Angelo Russell with nine points, um, Jordan Clarkson with 12, 
Julius Randle with two, Roy Hibbert four, and then you had um, uh, that's just about it. So Larry Nance gave up eight off the bench, but then he had two and four by um, Huentas and Tarek Black. So six points. Um, no, pardon me, uh, fourteen points off the bench, and you got um, less than thirty from your other starters. But then Kobe gave you sixty and a block and a steal with old legs. What's up? Like, I will forever get combative when someone's like, oh, he took 50 shots. Well, screw you. Name no one else could have done it. <laughs> and no one else on our team could have scored, like, with an open lane. Exactly. Yeah. When you see who he's playing with, it's your last game. You think Julius Randle's going to get more than four shots? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's That's just – that's like another great question, though. What if Roy Hibbert takes fifty shots? How many? How many? What is he? He finishes the game with twelve points. <laughs> yeah, right. Possible. <laughs> it's it's just like no other player. I mean, everybody thinks about going out on top, like you know the John Elway ending of your career. You win the championship and you walk away. The Peyton Manning too. Um, but you know, Kobe with that team was not getting that, and everybody knew it. So this was the last hurrah, and it's just you know I can't rewatch the game yet. I haven't rewatched it since his passing. But goddamn, that game is fun. I mean, everybody is just electric. You can see how tired he is. Um, just yeah, man, that's like probably the last game any professional athlete will ever have. Like, how can somebody top that? You can't. Personality. Legacy. You, you, you can't do it. Unpopable. <laughs> That's like how Shaq was in the, on the floor just basically yelling, hey, get 30. I, I get 40. I bet you won't get 60. <laughs> See, and, and that, Shaq's last points were, I think, with, uh, um, with the Celtics. Like, don't give a shit about that. Like, I mean, <laughs> just like... <laughs> It's true. Charles Barkley ended with, you know, the Rockets old and tattered. Like it, it's, it, it is what it is. Like nobody, nobody really gets a farewell like that or got a farewell like that. And he made it happen. Like nobody said, yeah. hey, Kobe, here's the lane. They were still playing a game. It was close. Like it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, um, so I, I want to add on to that, but I want to jump back a little bit to the commercials and I actually think that like the early Adidas Kobe commercials are mm. some of Adidas best commercials. Oh, like the, yeah. the one-on-one in the gym with the kid and the kids like tackling him um, <laughs> playing at Venice beach in the rain with like all the guys like hunched over under the umbrella and the one that he's playing like the, uh, I don't even remember what it was. Some sort of like crazy alien creature thing. I mean, like, I can't think of, you know, I can't think of like a, a player thinking about like Kobe being so young at that time, right? What is he, 19, 20 years old? And the commercials that were put out were like something you would see for, you know, a five, seven year veteran in the league that's already established himself, in my opinion, like the quality of those commercials. But um, the big dunk when it's like black and white and it's multiple takes of him just like, you yeah. know, it, edited but yeah 
Yeah. Um, but I wanted to, I want to also back to, you know, fast forward back to where we were at. Um, one of the things that, you know, talking about his kind of last game, his legacy, the fact that he basically, you know, um, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, lived like the perfect sports career, you know, like bookend to bookend, like went out on top. Um, I was talking to my friend, David Tripler, um, who is a filmmaker here in Los Angeles. And he is like a crazy Kobe fan as well. Like big, big Lakers fan, you know? Um, and we were talking about this a few weeks ago where it's interesting that Kobe, um, it's almost like Kobe, like had an advantage in that, he didn't have a reason to stay on the court, right? Like, you know, thinking of like MJ, right? Like MJ, you know, was invested in the Wizards, right? So, so, you know, he, even though he's probably playing at a lower level, he still feels like he's contributing enough to make sense for the bigger part of the business or bigger picture of the business. Um, and then you look at LeBron, right? Like, I don't think LeBron could even repeat the Kobe kind of farewell game because if I'm LeBron, I'm sticking around to try to play with my kid when Bronny's yeah. in the league, you know, four years from now or five years from now, whatever that looks like. So it's almost kind of like even more poetic. And if you think about those kind of things where, you know, like obviously Kobe wasn't playing, you know, to the, you know, the highest level of his abilities, but for his age and for his career to go out and like have that big game at the end of his career to just say like, you know, I'm going out at a, at like probably the highest level any basketball player has ever stepped away from the game, you know, other than like MJ's early retirements. Right. Because nobody else is ever going to have that. Like you said, Shaq is a great example. Most players, like hit the end of their career and they just hop on a squad. They think they might be able to grab an extra ring. Right. Like, I mean, Mitch Richmond of the Kings did that Gary Payton, like, you know, Carl Malone, all these guys signed with the Lakers hoping they could get one ring as they, you know, hung up the, the, the Jersey for the last time. And to me, I just think that's so it's so poignant and so perfect for Kobe's story because he, he even, at the Lakers, arguably the Lakers' lowest point, he was still playing to, you know, a, as potentially the best player in the league in that at that moment. That's a, that's a great point. And it's like, yeah. I'm happy you brought up how he was just like loved. Like he never really went through a hate period. The closest he got was, was when Shaq left because it really did come down to Shaq or Kobe. Like you weren't going to pay old Shaq that much of a max deal. So a lot of people were divided because Shaq was so loved too. I mean, like, it sounds like I didn't like Shaq. I love Shaquille O'Neal tenderly. Like, I love Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> um, it's just like that was the closest point. And when he was fed up with all the losing and he might have gone to the Clippers, he would have still been in L.A. So that would not have messed with his, like, L.A. legacy. But from start to finish, Dirk, Tim Duncan, uh, Magic – Larry Bird, like this, there they are those teams, and it's just uh, it was really great. 
That's all I got. It was really great, <laughs> but it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's very few players that, you know, we're, we live in a different time, too, where players aren't going to stick with a team the way they used to. Um, although I still think that, you know, if if you're a player that, you know, if you're a player that can stay in their kind of, uh, you know, hometown, I know like Kobe wasn't born in LA, but like, you know, someone like LeBron and, and I don't fault LeBron for leaving Cleveland. Like, you know, I would have left Cleveland long before he did. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting to think about that because sticking with the team, you know, uh, helps with the, the legacy so much. And, you know, like personally, I was actually just talking to my brother about this. So I have uh, two nephews that that um, live up in the North Bay and, you know, big like Kings fans. And, um, you know, my my nephew um, basically, you know, when when the Kings, um, you know, got rid of DeMarcus Cousins and my brother told him he just started bawling you know he just started crying because you know that's all he knew was like demarcus cousins being the face of the kings for those you know two three years um and it's just it's unfortunate because you you are able to you know establish such a relationship with such a like an entire generation as an athlete if you're able to stay with an organization for longer periods of time and you know, I don't, you know, like, obviously we're talking about sneakers, we're talking about Kobe, but like even that piece of his legacy is so important in my opinion, right? Like I, I, you know, I, I can't knock anybody's decisions because everybody knows what's best for them. But I even look at like Michael Jordan going to the Wizards and thinking like, yeah, you, you, you didn't really need to do that. You know, like <laughs> you, I understand why you did it, but you know, like, the, the value of what you contributed to the game, you know, as, as much as like, I love those last few years because you got to see those Kobe and, and Jordan matchups. And like, you know, we, we are constantly sharing the pictures of those moments. Right. But, you know, MJ with the bulls is forever the, you know, the memory for, for anybody that grew up as a youngster in that era, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I think like, let's just put it out there for everybody that's listening. We'd love to hear your, you know, Kobe Bryant moments. Like, what's your favorite commercial? What's your favorite moment? Like, what are the stories that that we're missing that we haven't heard? Because I think, you know, it's equally as important in in the time where we're, we're all going through some challenging times to have these role models and these, you know, heroes, superheroes. And, um, you know, so if you if. If you got a story about Kobe, definitely let us know. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever wherever is easiest for to reach out to us. Um, we'd love to hear it. But um, we yeah. appreciate all of you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go like all those uh, Kobe posts I put up today on Sneaker History. I cried during like five out of the eight of them. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would mean a lot to me if you did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. We did. We Robbie did put up some great posts today. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, definitely kicked some, some memories back into, to my, uh, head for that, 
for, for some of that stuff too. And actually, um, shameless plug, but like, we don't really, I don't, I've met these guys like once in passing, but, um, the Hoopery down in San Diego is a bunch of guys that are really big Kobe fans. They made some really dope merch. Um, if you get a chance, definitely check them out because they've got some really dope Kobe merch for people that are, um, fans of Kobe. But anyway, thanks everybody for listening and rocking with us. Uh, as we said earlier, if you got a chance, give us a review on iTunes. We're almost at that hundred mark. I would be really appreciative of that. And, um, if you're really into the podcast, definitely consider supporting us on Patreon going through these times is definitely going to be super, super helpful to have everybody's contributions there. And I'm so thankful that everybody does that because honestly, like it's, a it's really like a keep the lights on kind of a thing for me right now. So, um, I appreciate everybody listening. As always, my name is Nick Engvall. You can follow me at Nick Engvall on all platforms. Um, more importantly, follow Sneaker History. And one more thing before I hand it off to the guys. I saw a news story today about two people being arrested for killing somebody over some Yeezys. I just want to say that it's not worth it. Like any kind of argument, frustration, sneakers it's just sneakers like we love these things we love telling these stories and talking about them but never forget that like these physical things the sneakers on your feet mean nothing without the people on the other side that connect you with those stories so that's the end of my rant but i hope everybody has a safe one and guys let them know how they can find you online yeah um Mike Giller, you can find me on Sneaker History, Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. And then again at Mike Gillery on YouTube. Robbie, where are you at, sir? Yeah, you can find me watching movies with the Sneaker History people on Friday nights. Everybody should come join us. It's a lot of fun. I talk too much during the movies. So if you like, <laughs> if you like extra commentary for no reason, come join us. Shout out to everybody who has been joining us. Um yeah, you can find me at Sneaker History. Go enjoy some Mamba Day posts. There's more coming. It's only 8.30 at night as we record. <laughs> right on. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See you. Yep, bye. Hey, everyone. This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew, become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.